Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Toe, and today I'm joined with Atish Stavda, co-founder and CEO of EquityZen. EquityZen is an honest marketplace for pre-IPO employees to sell shares of privately held companies. EquityZen links employees or early investors of privately held companies with accredited investors who would not otherwise be able to invest in the company prior to an IPO. Thank you so much for joining us, Tish. We're excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Great. Uh, can you go ahead and start off by giving us an overview of sort of your background and your career? Uh, sure. So, uh, I, you know, I, I went to Penn. I started off as, as a computer engineering um, major, and then I, um, you know, joined Warden as well. So I was, uh, you know, I was uh, hacking together kind of my own MMP program, if you will. Um, and I you know, minored or majored in finance and computer engineering. Ended up actually at a quantitative uh, um, hedge fund called AQR Capital with three of my best friends, which was pretty fascinating. Um, I used to intern at you know, a beast formerly known as Lehman. And when all four of us got an office from the same firm, we decided to go there. Um, my focus there was in trading equities using quantitative models. And while I was at AQR, I had a very, very small kind of project, passion project um, that I was, you know, that I was working on kind of on nights and weekends. It was just a small cash flow generating, uh, you know, business, uh, if you can call it that, um, that was really inspired by a senior kind of thesis that I had done when I was an undergrad at um, After AQR, I joined an advertising technology startup called Ampush as its first employee uh, here in New York. And they're San Francisco-based, so I did a bunch of commuting, uh, flying back and forth, uh, and ultimately got a chance to see the company grow, learn a lot about operations. Um, the company grew to about 50 people, $30 million in revenue by the time um, you know, I, I ended up leaving there. And incidentally, I left Ampush in order to start um, you know, what has now become EquityZen. Um, so, you know, it's been a bit of a meandering path, but I've never been able to get too far away from numbers, finance, and computers. Sure. Were you always interested in entrepreneurship or the startup world? It sounds as though you kind of had the hunger from the beginning. Carl Ulrich is uh, the man that I need to thank for this. I took his product design class. Uh, a few buddies and I uh, designed, um, you know, a wallet that also held your keys, uh, which is pretty important if you. Uh, you know, want to leave your your apartment or your dorms, and you want to go to pot truck, um, and you don't want to carry you know a whole bunch of stuff with your backpack. Uh, but that was kind of the, the first spark uh, that I had, where it was more than just um, you know a, a fleeting passion. It, it, it started consuming a lot of my spare time. Um, and you know, and when when you're in college, there's not a lot of spare time. So carving out uh, time and space and energy specifically to work on businesses was really inspired by the product design class that Carl was teaching at the time. Can you provide some insight into the early days of EquityZen and how did you come up with the business model behind what is now EquityZen today? Uh, well, it was it was born out of my personal need. Um, frankly, I had equity in a few different private companies just from doing consulting work for them. Um, some of that equity ended up being worth, uh, you know, what was then and it still is, uh, you know, material portion of my net worth, which is not a lot. I mean, we're all young folks here. And we, uh, you know, I, I, I found myself in a situation where I was holding on to what felt like just monopoly money. Um, supposedly, on paper, that was worth a lot, um, but it was too small for investors, you know, for it really to move the needle with investors. 
it was too small for brokers to really get involved and help me actually get sell that equity in, in, in exchange for cash because uh, the broker's fee would have just eaten into the entire um, you know into the entire transaction. Well, long story short, I just found myself uh, you know wanting to make investments, make changes in my life. I actually proposed to my girlfriend at the time. And all these things are a lot harder to do when you're in startup world and not in, you know, not think of the hedge fund salary anymore. So it was really born out of uh, personal need. I called up Phil and Shree, my two co-founders. Um, Shree's also a Penn grad. Uh, Phil and I have a bunch of friends in common, uh, including an alma mater uh, of Lehman Barclays. And you know, I kind of said, hey, I have this crazy idea. Um, do you guys think that they're, you know, am I am I completely crazy or only, you know, partially crazy? And uh, you know, over the next two or three months, we worked on nights and weekends. They eventually left their extremely well-paying jobs to work a lot harder and make no money with me. Uh, and about six months later, we formed Equity Zen. So as of June of 2013, Equity Zen has been, uh, you know, our mission um, has been to provide liquidity to the shareholders that are extremely overexposed uh, to a particular company's equity and provide access to investors that are extremely underexposed to investments in that company. Um, and we're trying to do it with the company's approval and the company's blessing. And here we are about three and a half years later uh, with, um, you know, with, a, with a still small team, but uh, a lot of energy. And what was the problem you were trying to solve in the private investing market? I know that now, pre-IPO companies, they're staying private for longer. Is that something you're continuing to see, and how does equity then kind of work in that space? That's exactly right, Katie. The, uh, the median age of a company, uh, call it 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, was around five, five years, four or five years, uh, from being founded to going public. Amazon, for instance, went public at a $400 million valuation, $16 million in revenue when it was four years old. The typical company now, as it's approaching uh, the public markets, are almost teenagers. And that means that it takes a long time for the shareholders in these companies to realize the cash or the liquidity that they've been accruing and earning in the company. Uh, it also uh, means that uh, because it goes from five years to, to well over 10 years, the number of people that own equity in this company is often multiples of what it used to be back in the day. Uh, this means that there's way more people now than before that have illiquid stock in companies. Um, and, the, you know, and the value of the illiquid stock just keeps growing. Uh, so Equity Zen is trying to provide folks that need capital, deliver them capital when they need it, uh, and not have it influence the timing of the, you know, of what is best for the company. At the end of the day, a company's timeline for financing is different than the thousand employees and the hundred investors that it has. And Equity Zen is trying to decouple liquidity from exit. And how did the bulk of these secondary transactions take place before Equity Zen came along? Were shareholders and early investors locked up until the IPO, or was there their alternative out there? You know, they were mostly locked up until the IPO, unless the size of the transactions we're talking about were large enough. So, um, if you put our, you know, if we put ourselves in the investor's shoes, most most investors did not get access to investing in, in companies like Dropbox and Palantir and Pinterest unless they have $10 million or more. 
um, to invest. At which stage they may or you know they still might not get the call, but maybe they have a shot at getting a seat at the table when that company that's a household name that's generating tens of millions of dollars in revenue when they're actually raising some additional capital. Um, on the secondary side, you still needed well over a million dollars to you know for, for it to be worth the broker's time to maintain a relationship with you, to let you know that there's one, two, five investment opportunities available. Um, and just the last part of you know the macro shift that's occurred over the last few years, uh, especially since equities kind of started, is we've gone from you know we've gone from companies considering secondary transactions to be very taboo uh, to embracing them and trying to take control over this process. Um, but, you know, I think we've been able to see a shift occur in the mindset where, you know, selling any shares at all before the company's IPO was considered to be uh, just such a negative signal. Um, and it still is in the public market. And when the public company CEO sells shares, people always question, wait a second, what's going on here? Um, but it's different in the private market. You know, these are not uh, folks that are senior in their career. A lot of times it's the 22-year-old guy or girl that joined a company. They pick their head up and eight years later they're in a different phase of life. Maybe they're about to have their first child uh, and they realize they still have student loans to pay off um, because they've been making startup salaries. Uh, well, why not pay for their millionaires? So it's just trying to, uh, you know, trying to bridge the gap between the folks that are extremely overexposed to one company's success um, and, and you know, helping them rebalance their personal lives, basically. And you mentioned the size of the transactions that uh, occurred in the secondary market um, needed to be large enough to take up, uh, to be worth the broker's time. Uh, what type of investors have access to these types of transactions with EquityZen? That's right. So EquityZen only conducts what are called 506B, uh, as in boy, transactions. Effectively, these are limited to accredited investors as defined by the SEC. Um, these are folks that, you know, loosely speaking, uh, make at least, um, you know, low six figures in salary every year and or uh, have a million dollars or more in liquid networks. Um, the reason for this is that these are illiquid securities. These are risky bets that people are making. They may or may not get a chance to get liquidity for the investment they're making for a long time. So to protect the investor, uh, the SEC has imposed rules saying only those that can afford to lose this money should even be allowed to play. Um, now, that's a, that's a pretty generous bar, uh, but unless you had, as I said, more than one, maybe even $10 million, folks still didn't get access to it. Even folks that could afford to lose the money weren't getting the phone call uh, saying, hey, if you're interested, um, you know, Pinterest is raising capital. Uh, and equity then is unpacking that entire process by allowing people to invest, accredited investors to invest as little as $20,000 uh, because our core belief is that this asset class of private companies should, you know, belongs in people's portfolios. Just because you have a million dollars in net worth doesn't mean that you have to put 100% of it in this asset class. That never makes sense. I mean, what we learn in Wharton all the time is diversification is key, portfolio management is crucial, 
and you can't build you know the the market portfolio or the the you know you can't track the efficient frontier of the market unless you have access to all the assets. So um, we're trying to bring access to this asset class to folks that have you know twenty thousand dollars today. Maybe at some point down the road we can lower the minimum uh, and make it a lot more accessible. Can you talk a bit more on that point of how you get investors comfortable with these types of investments, this asset class? Uh, unlike publicly traded instruments, there isn't a market price um, overly transparent. There isn't analyst research or anything of that nature. How do you kind of manage that dialogue from both the risk perspective and even perhaps the valuation of the investment itself? No, that's a great question. And certainly I'll reiterate that these investments are not for everyone. Um, and there's a, there's a nice self-selecting bias that, that comes into play here where um, the folks that are sophisticated enough they are interested enough, they're familiar enough with this sector are the ones that, uh, you know, have to do a lot of their own legwork, so to speak, in order to get comfortable with making the investment. Um, Equity then makes it uh, makes that process a lot easier now. We present tools like Easy Advantage where, um, where you can go on, you know, go to our website, go to Easy Advantage and, uh, you know, select what sector you're interested in, select some criteria you're interested in about the company, which investors the company has, how much capital they raise, and so on. And you can actually get a uh, kind of a side-by-side -side comparison of companies. So let's say you know uh, you want to make an investment in the cloud storage space, but there's eight companies in there and you don't know which ones uh, exactly uh, you want to put your money into. Uh, well, you can go on equities on the website, go to Easy Advantage, um, and select that criteria, and then side-by-side -side compare these companies. Um, equities then also put together um, you know, what are called offering documents, where we list uh, the basic stuff about the company, like what the business model is, how they make money, uh, who the competitors are, what the, what the landscape looks like, uh, but also more uh, kind of sensitive information, such as, well, what do, what do financials look like? What, what, is, what does headcount look like? What are, um, you know, what are the liquidation preferences in the company? What does the cap table look like? All of this information is available to qualified, verified, and suitable accredited investors uh, that are interested in making an investment on EquityZen's platform. Um, the reason we can do this, and this is pretty important, the reason we can do this is that EquityZen conducts transactions with the company's approval. There are many brokers out there that are operating in our space that, that explicitly avoid going through the company to conduct these transactions. It's you know unlike the public market where you and I can just go on E-Trade, click a few buttons, and buy IBM or Google shares. In the private market, there are what are called transfer restrictions that prevent you from doing this. You need the company's blessing. If you don't have the company's blessing, there's a big question mark about whether or not this is a legal transaction. Um, and there's also question marks about well, what happens if uh, you don't have to share a certificate at the end of the day, which is what you're supposed to be buying. Um, if it's just an IOU that the seller is selling you, equity then does away with all of that and gets the company's blessing. The share certificate is restructured under you know under the investor's name, and by providing that confidence, equity then has been able to uh, you know attract uh, not just individuals but also institutional investors to the platform. And what happens at the point when uh with these shares once supply is met with demand. What role does equity then then play? So, you know, let's say, uh, let's say you have shares in a company um, and you're looking to sell uh, $100,000 worth. 
I'm, I'm an investor. I want to put in $20,000. There's four others like me. Um, so find buyers and you, the seller. We reach price agreement. EquityZen then takes this match that has been made using EquityZen's algorithm and platform, um, automatically contacts the company, presents them with a tool online where they can, you know, uh, using entirely a, a cloud-based solution, um, click a few buttons and either ask for more information uh, or ratify the transaction right there. And then there's an electronic copy that's available to every single participant, all buyers, sellers, as well as the company, that keeps track of exactly what information was, uh, you know, was disclosed, what shares, you know, how many shares, what price, all that stuff. Um, and then for the buyers and sellers, there, there is ongoing service where, if, you know, if I as a buyer want to check what the latest price is of the company, how's my investment doing? Well, I can go to equitysun.com and check out the latest price, and I can see, oh, I, you know, I, I bought this company's shares at $10 a share, and it's now worth $14 a share. That's exciting. It's been, you know, 40% return in the last 11 months. That's, uh, um, you know, that was a good investment. All of that can be done on Equitysun's platform. The same way you might go to E-Trade and look at your public investments. Let's say, for example, that a shareholder sold shares on EquityZen later on down the road. That company did not go public. Can you walk us through what would happen in that case? Yeah, so there's a, you know, going public or, or listing an initial public offering is not the only way for a company to realize, um, you know, liquidity or, or um, uh, you know, or do right, so to speak, by its shareholders. Uh, a company could go through an M&A process, in which case it gets acquired. Uh, Dollar Shave Club is a good example uh, recently. Uh, for those of you know that, that know the company, they sell, uh, you know, razor blades online. Unilever just, uh, you know, purchased Dollar Shave Club for, uh, you know, frankly, a pretty, pretty great valuation for the Dollar Shave Club shareholders at a billion dollars. Dollar Shave Club was a company that was on Equities and platform some time ago. For investors that were able to access Dollar Shave Club when it was worth, call it, $250 million in enterprise value, they quadrupled their money. Um, Dollar Shave Club never went public, um, but because they owned the shares, when Unilever cuts that billion-dollar check, whatever amount um, belongs to each of the shareholders uh, that purchased through equity the platform, they would get that amount for rata um, right there in the bank account. Um, you know, there's also cases where uh, a company may decide and its entire board agrees, uh, this is rare in technology industries, but, you know, let's say it happens, uh, where they say, you know what, we don't want to go public, um, we'll just start issuing dividends to people. This is way more common in other sectors than in technology, but, you know, there's all these corner cases that are all buttoned up um, just in case they happen. Uh, in that scenario, for example, whenever the company issues a dividend, that same amount goes per rata to each of the shareholders. Um, you know, effectively, we're conducting securities transactions. EquityZen has its own broker dealer called EquityZen Securities, um, which is FCC registered and FINRA approved. Um, and it's, uh, it's actually not that dissimilar from other investments that you know folks may be familiar with. Um, so you know, it is it is important to identify that not every company goes public. Some companies uh, may go under, in which case, just like a public company could go under and your shares are worth zero, private companies can also go under and your shares could be worth zero. Uh, all of that from A to Z is, is tracked and managed and custodied uh, through EquityZen and its various partners. Can you tell us more about how you work with the companies in managing these transactions? What types of companies are on your platform? 
Uh, well, Equity Ben uh, has now worked with uh, almost 50, um, if not over 50, depending on uh, this month, of um, you know almost 50 of some of the largest private companies, you know, unicorns um, that exist out here. The vast majority of these companies are, uh, you know, are, are headquartered here in the U.S., but there are some other domiciles that Equity Ben understands and is comfortable with, uh, you know, with the security. We have worked with companies in a couple other geographies. Um, the typical profile of these companies um, is usually over a billion dollars in enterprise value, usually around between one or two billion dollars. We've uh, serviced companies that are uh, well over ten million dollars, uh, several of them actually, uh, and we work with companies as small as uh, hundred million dollars in enterprise value. Um, we've, uh, you know, we've conducted over a thousand individual private placement transactions. Um, uh, we're, you know, we're particularly proud of this because we use technology to do a lot of these transactions. That's more than Goldman, UBS, uh, Deutsche Bank, you know, all these investment banks combined in the last year. Um, but obviously the dollar sizes are different and that's the whole point is that Equity Zen is making this platform available to people that want to write $20,000 checks, $100,000 checks, maybe a million dollar checks, but they want to take control over conducting these transactions um, and not be required to, you know, buy or sell everything. We're taking this thing that used to be binary, either hold it forever or sell all of it now, and providing people with choices in the middle and turning it into a spectrum. In terms of getting companies on board with the transactions between shareholders and investors, can you tell us more about what these companies are hoping to manage through EquityZen's platform and how do you make that happen? Well, you know, I, you know, I think, I think We've probably all read a little bit about this, where companies are getting a little bit more, uh, you know, defensive and protective of their shareholder base. Um, the record of a company's shareholders is called the capitalization table or the cap table, and most companies have been building a wider and wider moat around their cap table. A big reason for this is that back in uh, back when Facebook was still private, there were companies like Second Market and Shares Post that would do a lot of trading in Facebook equity while Facebook was so private. Um, they blundered a little bit and uh, Facebook ended up crossing its 500 shareholder threshold, uh, which allowed the SEC to say, hang on a second, Facebook, there's so much trading activity happening, you have more than 500 shareholders, you need to go public. Ever since that, there was a lot of cross issue in, um, you know, in the CFOs and the general counsel's office. And so companies have really tightened and increased, you know, the transfer restrictions that we spoke about uh, briefly. Um, despite that, EquityZen has been able to earn these companies' trust and actually get on the other side of this moat, uh, which from, from a business standpoint is fantastic for us because it's a great competitive advantage. Uh, but a big reason, you know, to your question of how we've been able to do that is re recognizing that even though this is a marketplace, which most people think it's just a buyer and a seller. Uh, this is actually a three-sided marketplace. You have a buyer, you have a seller, and you need, uh, you know, call it God's approval here. Uh, God, in this case, the issuer of the company. Uh, and by identifying and building a solution that includes all three corners of the triangle, we've been able to give the company a voice in the transaction, control in the transaction, full transparency in the transaction, and by providing them a technology, they also, you know, can feel comfortable that, okay, this is not some uh, transaction that's occurring at a, you know, at a dinner over, over steak somewhere where the employee may, you know, accidentally 
or on purpose leak some private information to get a higher price, that's a liability the company does not want to take on. When equity then goes to the company and presents the fact that these transactions occur online, they can feel comfortable with the fact that, okay, well, we know that private information is in exchange hands. We know that we're not inviting any additional liability to the company. And if we ever needed to, equity then can provide an audit report of every transaction. All of this is free for the company, which is why we've been able to convince them to take matters into their own hands and not let the shadow market evolve where people are conducting transactions without the company's knowledge. And how does equity then earn revenue along this process? Are you charging a fee upon transaction flows? Are you working with companies in order to charge them a fee? Yeah, so, you know, we, uh, equity then services are, um, you know, all of our services to date are free for companies. Uh, we charge a fee to the sellers in the transaction and the buyers in the transaction. Um, and as I mentioned, Equity Zen has its own wholly owned broker-dealer um, that allows us to conduct these securities transactions and collect commission on both sides. Um, our goal at the end of the day is to try and create as much as possible. And there's, there's always going to be a difference between a private and a public market, but our goal at the end of the day is to try and create as much as possible of parallel to the public market in the private market. So you've had a lot of traction so far. You've obviously worked with several of over half of the quote-unquote unicorns in the industry. What are your plans and hopes for expansion now that you've completed your Series A funding? Uh, yeah, you know it's uh, it's funny because uh, when we when we turn back and look at you know look at our numbers, look at the history of what we've accomplished, it's it's really fascinating and and pretty humbling. But I don't think there's ever a day where I go home and I say, oh, you know look at everything we've done and kind of kick back. I think there's always more to more to do, more to see, and uh, more problems to solve. So, uh, you know, I, I think equity then only barely cracks the surface of of our potential, really. Um, you know, I think $20,000 minimums are still too great for a lot of people. Um, you know, I think having a, uh, you know, having to conduct a transaction uh, that takes, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, we'd like to bring that time down further. At some point down the road, we'd like to allow people to invest as little as $1,000, maybe $100 uh, at some point way in the future into, into these companies. Um, and, and, you know, I guess kind of zooming out from everything, if, you, if we just take a look at what's happened over the last 10 years, there's been a big macro shift um, that, 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 that's related to what we were talking about earlier about companies staying private longer. And, and, and it's this shift. You know, the U.S. currently has, uh, you know, is facing a 40-year low in the number of publicly listed companies that are available. So if, if you're an equities investor, whether you're an individual or a hedge fund, the number of opportunities that you would have had in the 1970s was 8,000 listed companies. The number of opportunities you have today are, are, are between four and 5,000. That means that if you're investing a million dollars, that million dollars has to be allocated in Fewer companies, which means more concentrated bets, which means more risky markets and more you know, riskier portfolios. Um, EquityZen is adding this asset class to you know like to the to the menu so that people can truly build more diversified portfolios and invest in companies even before they're in the private market. Um, and you know you know especially for a lot of folks out there that are that are TMT investors or internet investors. 
a lot of times they're familiar with these companies. They just happen to be, you know, how many of us have Dropbox on our phones and our computers, uh, but because it happens to not be listed, we can't invest in it. Uh, we can only invest in Box, which is a public competitor. Uh, well, EquityZen is trying to make uh, both Box and Dropbox available to you know the investors for whom it's you know accessible. Um, and by doing so, you can actually create you know safer hedges and a safer portfolio. At the end of the day, um, that's our goal. I think you know we're probably just uh, you know we're probably just a couple steps into a very very long journey. You mentioned second market and shares post earlier in our conversation. Do you consider these your biggest competitors, and how do you differentiate yourself within this space? Uh, yeah, so look, uh, you know, second market, when it first got going, Barry, Barry Silbert, um, who was their founder, great visionary, um, and I think I have always kind of been been in awe of what second market tried to do. You know, frankly, I think uh, that era was probably a little bit early for its time. Uh, we call that era secondaries 1.0, where a lot of transactions were occurring um, offline. They were occurring over phones. They were occurring over dinners and at bars. Um, and the way these transactions used to occur, kind of tying back to an earlier question you asked, is you, the seller, me, the buyer, and the company, all of us would get our lawyers involved. They would basically do, you know, do like martial arts in a conference room for about three weeks, uh, sometimes 12 weeks. And uh, after racking up large legal bills, every single deal that used to occur was was slow, it was bespoke, and the fees were extremely high. And therefore, the minimum for the transaction had to be high to justify the, the fee. Um, EquityZen's approach is just completely different uh, to, to the entire problem. We don't want to conduct one $100 million transaction. We'd rather conduct a $100, $1 million transaction. And, and our entire infrastructure, the plumbing that we're building, is to be able to facilitate transactions that are quick, they're small, um, and that, that are standardized, right? Um, and, 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 and once you are able, and once we are able to enforce um, the standardization, it makes it so that there's a lot more that can be built on top of it that you can't do if every single uh, transaction is different. Um, and so, uh, you know, you know, I think your question was, how do we differentiate ourselves? I mean, our focus is on uh, being company friendly, which there's many brokers as we talked about that are, you know, uh, it's questionable how friendly they are to companies. Um, and by relying on technology to conduct these transactions, we're able to provide much smaller and granular access to people. Um, one example is one of our clients is a, you know, twelve billion dollar. Uh, hedge fund that has $500 million allocated towards this strategy. They may own $25 million in a company. On the public side of their portfolio, they're perfectly able to sell the $25 million um, investment that they have in $5 million chunks once a quarter over the next five quarters. On the private side, conducting a $5 million transaction means you have to go through the same rigmarole every single quarter. Each time the deal may be slightly different, each time you're racking up tens of thousands of dollars in legal bills, um, and frankly, it takes a lot of your time. Using equity sense, they can conduct the same type of transaction by clicking a button five times, once over each of the next five quarters, and they're done. And that's, that's how we differentiate ourselves in the market. And where do you see the private investing market heading in the future, and what's next for equity then? Well, we're big believers that just just as E-Trade and interactive brokers and you know other online broker services, Scottrade, so on, have allowed 
the, the individual investor uh, to, to really be able to invest public instruments. Equity has believes that private instruments uh, will also be you know, shifting online. Um, that's not true for every uh, transaction. Obviously, if, you're, if you are conducting a $100 million transaction, there's a lot of bells and whistles, whistles to a deal like that. But if you're interested in conducting a $100,000 transaction, which up until equities then came along, it was cost prohibitive uh, or impossible to do. Um, if you want to do a $100,000 transaction, there's really no reason to get all up in arms and trying to make every single transaction bespoke. So uh, we see uh, a shift occurring on the private side where this asset class is going to enter into many more people's portfolios. Um, the amount of information that's available on the private market side will increase, which means more transparency, which means more comfort level and safety for a lot of investors. Um, and lastly, by conducting transactions in a more standardized way, I think we can also provide better portfolio management tools that you can't do if uh, you know every transaction is just a little bit unique. Um, so I think you know we we want to we want to do our part. Uh, Equities and wants to do its part in helping shape um, and lead the shift that's occurring. Sure. Well, thank you so much. This has been a very interesting conversation. You know, as we think about alternative ways of investing and how to how to access liquidity in different ways. So, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's always great to you know speak with fellow award nights and. Uh, and, and and obviously with the focus of the schools putting on the entrepreneurship side of things, uh, it's pretty, you know, I feel vindicated in finally leaving that hedge fund job and uh, not feeling like a complete, uh, you know, uh, just completely scared and, uh, and you know, and going into business building. So it's fantastic to see so many more people trying to do it. And, you know, I hope that, uh, I hope that we get to meet a lot more um, folks from the Warden FinTech Club. Sure. And I, I'm, I'm sure exciting things to come for Equity then. I've got my fingers crossed uh, and my and my shoes on for a long, long hike, so let's do it. Absolutely. Thank you.